Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Jenny Wren. I've been a festival booker for over 15 years, mom of two, four if you count the dogs. I've buried my sister and my parents, partied like it was 1999 for over 20 years, modeled for five minutes, worn far too many accessories and not enough self-care. I've had breast cancer and epiphanies. Safe to say she's been around. In this episode, I speak to the much-loved and widely respected Arveen, a DJ, producer, booker, presenter, but much more than that, an incredible human I've been lucky enough to know for many years. Our story started a long time ago in Carbon Records Dublin, and we've been lucky enough to stay in touch both personally and professionally ever since. Arveen gently invites us into some of his intimate perspectives and that pivotal moment where the music had him hooked. nice to be here and have a little conversation I just looked at a record that I actually uh, was involved in that came out over the lockdown which is cool it's called Gun Aid it was a Gun Aid album that was done um, for a, a lovely little boozer in uh, East London called Gun and um, everyone jumped in to donate tracks and do productions it's like a Skylab and Scott Fraser, Glock, Cherry Tones, Bon Voyage, which is my track, Nietzsche Reb put a, a record on there uh, Roisin Murphy, Daniel Avery Soul Revivers Raph uh, from the Two Bears. So uh, I only got the vinyl now. Oh. It just got dropped in. So I'm like, I haven't even opened it. That's <laughs> exciting. I read that wrong when you initially had it, held it up. Um, I thought it was a Gaudi track. I was like, oh, um, nah, that's exciting. I wish it was. It is kind of exciting. It's just nice to, like, it's nice to have a bit of vinyl, isn't it, really? So, it is. Um, it's cool. And it was for a good cause as well. A really great little boozer that, you know, without it would have lost a lot of kind of community and sense of like, I don't know, you know, music on the edge, you know, mm. it's a platform for a lot of people to do music and culture and, and, and without all those kind of platforms, then I think we lose everything, you know, really. And I think what's it all worth if we don't have these kind of spaces and platforms to showcase all the good creativeness in the world that's free thinking and open and challenging. Yeah, that's that's quite a hot topic for the Irish community right now. I feel like the shackles are starting to unloosen. And, you know, in a lot of respects, you know, I, I definitely come from a lineage of rave and acid house where you kind of did your own thing and you kind of had to make up the rules yourself. But uh, it feels like the rules are starting to catch up with us. Hopefully. <laughs> I know what you mean. 
I'm definitely okay. from that era as well, um, where there was no rules and you kind of went out there and did stuff. Yeah, raving on the beach, you know. Yep. Unknown destination on a little map and you go around the M50 till you can find it. You know? <laughs> or M25 as it was in London, sorry. Not the M50, I'm showing my uh, return to Ireland with my M numbers. But uh, yeah, yeah, gone be with the days, you know. I'm in a very kind of interesting point in my life in a lot of respects because I've, I've done a lot, really, when I look back on it. I have a lot of experience and loads of great experiences and memories. And I've pretty much forgotten 90% of everything I've done, to be honest with you. And people constantly remind me of things that happened. And I'm just like, really? Did that, was that actually a thing? Which is, I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think if you're constantly doing stuff, it's pretty much impossible to, to remember all those memories because the brain can really only kind of hold a certain amount of information before it starts spilling over. And I think once you hit that kind of spillover point, then you start losing stuff. So I'm just assuming that, uh, you know, I'm probably, we're all taking in way more information than we're actually physically, you know, um, meant to be doing and that we do lose a lot of information in the, you know, in this kind of process of overthinking or overconsumption. So it's really interesting just having a little mind sweep or like having the cleaners in to sort out your, your, your mind flat <laughs> to do the cleaning and sweep. It's amazing. Um, actually, the guy from Nightmares and Wax, George, who's a really old friend of mine, and I know you've met George many times. You booked him for festivals and stuff. His wife is an amazing hypnotherapist. Her name's Amanda Evelyn, and she was the first person that kind of hypnotized me in a in a way of just clearing out the thought process and just clearing out what's in your 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 you know. It's like an iPhone or a hard drive. It's full. You need to mm. empty it out in order to make space for more uh, memories. And it was a real, it was a real game changer for me. And I just thought, no, actually, one thing was like, oh, I need to take care of this. I need to manage this like it's my apartment. But like, and then I, I don't, how much information do I need to consume? Actually, I don't need to consume that much information, you know. And what do I need to know? So I think there, there were two kind of huge things that, you know, when they happened. And to meet her, she's really inspirational. She's really positive. She's always kind of, you know. I don't know. She just brings the light. She's a pure light bringer. So that, that is, I think when you start realizing these sort of things and in an age of being able to like put your hand on a phone and be able to get everything instantly that you don't actually need everything instantly and that you should really, you know, limit yourself to, to, you know, smaller amounts of stuff, people, places, things to do, you know, I mean, you know, and it's never fun having everything you want all the time. Well, no. And I, I've I've kind of been looking at that from a, I'm taking some of what you're saying about getting things easily or having it all there. And I've been having a parenting moment. Well, when I say moment, I've been parenting for 15 years now, but recently really struggling with the concept of, and I'm, I'm looking at it sort of right in front of me, that things I've learned as a human, <clears throat> and I would love to just sort of hand to my kids um, so that they didn't have to bother learning it. <laughs> and you realize, fuck, it really doesn't work like that. They're going to have to go into the same fires, the same, like you have to learn it for yourself. You just got to go through it. There's no, you can't like... 
you can't avoid it, you know, which Hands is over package. Here you, go. you just you just don't get the same lesson. You've got to, you know, I was told for 40,000 years, God, you're really hard on yourself. And it wasn't until I met it face on via therapy, via, you know, a whole little life happening that I once I finally met it, it was then I understood it. So it's. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It I, I mean, I always I look at a lot of like kind of younger people and I've always been someone who's really kind of uh, relished supporting kind of younger music producers and DJs and creatives when they come along. And the one thing, I, it's, it always kind of, they, their challenges are so different from mine. Mm-hmm. They're, they're always going to be, but it always really, really fascinates me or their anxieties. I don't really think I had a lot of anxieties bar just get an opportunity was, you know, because it was so scarce and op- to get opportunities yet. Now they're like, their anxieties are, are very di- different. You know, it's like, it's just such a different ball game. And it always kind of blows my mind when I think, Oh, they're like worried about, that. you know, they're worried about that. It's such a simple thing or such a, but then it's easy for me, you know, because we're, you know, and we can never really like, you can always like show them the way, but you can never really teach them exactly what it's going to be like. Cause they have to, they have to like, you know, tread those paths themselves and find those routes because, you know, it's it's constantly changing and constantly evolving and no two roads are the same really, are they? No, it's just kind of leave for me in my head of the way I sort of, I, I see things very, where I think things very visually. It's like living, leaving little... <clears throat> little if you were marking a map and you're just leaving some flags going that's a pit there you know the, you, you could fall here or you know what I mean you're kind of trying to <clears throat> just leave some pointers as a you know that that piece could be difficult or that's you know if you arrive here this is what you could do <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> it's like I think a little... it's better for them to come to you I think it's better <laughs> for someone to come to you seeking advice than it is for you to preach sometimes I, like I feel like it's more beneficial because they know what they're doing. Yeah. Even, even if we don't know what they're doing and if they have a, a blockage or if they have like, you know, something that just completely flummoxes them, it, then they'll find seek They'll be seeking. Mm. You hope that's the case. And maybe that's not always the case, but like it's, it's, I find it really interesting. And I've kind of started helping young artists a bit and some other older artists with their music. And it's been a really interesting, interesting process to kind of, just chat tra- tra- through things and give them a different perspective. And they're, they're, it's almost like a panic because it's like, it's, it is very exciting being a young artist. I've worked with a bunch of young uh, people who are kind of doing really good bits from like, um, I worked with the kneecap guys for a bit and I worked with this girl, Ruby Murphy. She, her name uh, uh, is, you know, she, Ruby's an amazing artist, you know, and uh, Ben Bix and just, various different they're very different artists very they're all very different artists but it's really interesting to see how they do things and what their you know what their vision is and then trying to impart some knowledge into them and seeing how whether they take it or not or how they go because you know they'll always have their own idea and that's what's cool about it but collaborating is for me has always been about just you know offering suggestion and then you know either they either they get it or they don't get it because you know no one's meant to get it all the time it's very rare that someone just gets it all the time and also, it's kind of nice to see that someone has their own take on things. It's not like you're just giving them everything, and they're, they're just they're just they're going to take what they need and move on. So um, that's been a really interesting um, experience for me over the last year or two. Because without lots of gigs to do and lots of stuff to do, you kind of you look inwards, but then also you know then you start looking outwards as well to, to see mm-hmm. who's around you and what they're doing. And uh, you know, I was kind of fortunate to be back in Ireland. 
and down in West Cork and then just meeting various people and, you know, get involved in certain things that were just really interesting and just adding some experience, you know, and perspective. It was kind of a unique situation to be in down there um, or back in Ireland. And, and, you know, because I think, you know, it was a, such a great opportunity to kind of, to be purely expressive creatively if you're able, if you're willing and able to do that. Mm. I don't know if a lot of people were, and I think some people were definitely able to do that. But for me personally, I was like, yeah, this is like, I can expand my mind fully without the constraints of, you know, there was no money to be made anyway. None of us could make any money. We're all getting like benefit from the government to support our, our you know, to, to live. They're paying, they're putting the, like, they're putting like bread on the table, you know, and you're we're all kind of living a meager existence. And that's great. And I think that was kind of leveling because then you don't, you're not, there's no expectation. I think creativity, you know, expectation can be a real hindrance to a lot of creativity, mm. uh, you know, and, and it's really, you know, to get it like a pure form like that and to, to have something like, like, you know, hearing some of the albums that are going to co- coming out now. And I've kind of mentioned the guy from Nightmares and Wax, but he's done a stunning album. That's just, his new album is off the charts. Good. It's the best thing he's ever done. And, you know, it's because he's had this time to reflect on himself and, mm. check, you know, he, he didn't have the time to sit back and analyze himself and go, what's wrong? What am I doing? Why mm. can't I be where I want to be? Even though he's one of the top musicians in his game, he didn't feel he was where he wanted to be. And then when I heard this record, I was like, Jesus, you're where you want to be. Okay. He's like I had that time to, he said, I had that time to change things and then rejigged my studio, reanalyzed a lot of stuff and I've changed. Mm. I think a lot of people have done that. So it's, it's you know it's it, it's it, it's a massive kind of cosmic shift that's gone on really like and like you know if you're willing to accept it, um you know and you can't you, you know it's it's been a huge cosmic shift of consciousness and the way we perceive things and the way we see things and I think you know in hindsight <laughs> that's <such a> bad <laughs> hashtag keep it on brand <laughs> I can't say. I, you know I, I feel like I went with it you know i don't you know I, i've kind of got lucky in that respect because i just kind of went with it without realizing what was coming around the corner and everyone had their little part to take and i was like that's just going to go for this what feels right really kind of being in tune with your gut and your instincts and just what feels right you know um what feels good and feels the right thing to do and i think that's been the kind of most that's the one thing I've learned to be like more in tune with my gut. And I think that's such a thing, you know, I mean, there's, you don't always get it right, but I think if you've been doing it as long as I have, or as long as we have, you kind of get to a stage where you understand when the, you know, when the sweet spots are in music or in, you know, creativity, you're like, this is a sweet spot. Oh, I don't, you know, I've been at, at this, this juncture before, keep going, just keep going, you know, where sometimes you kind of get, you know, in, in your first, rodeo or two you're like oh i need to stop doing this or what's got why is this you know you're questioning things as opposed to grabbing the bull by the horns and going for it you know because those windows sometimes they don't open and they open every now and again when you have a long career path you might look back and you might get four or five windows that just open and you really got to go for it um sometimes they work sometimes they don't you know and that's part of the game really like but uh i think i just went for it this time and you know and i just didn't i didn't like crawl up into a into a ball and hide under a shell which is <laughs> i guess we were we were doing that anyway you know what i mean yeah, everyone yeah. Had to, was doing that anyway in essence so like what you know what else can you do so sleep for sleep eat play video games and then just um you know let what happens naturally flow 
um, that flow state has been good, really, I think, for a lot of people. You know? It sounds very nourishing, actually, what you're talking about. It sounds extremely nourishing. And the letting go of the outcome, I think, is a very strong um, theme, I think, for for diving into those windows of of creativity or opportunity. And just as you say, um, does this feel good? How how is this feeling? And just follow that feeling irrespective of, you know, it's when you start blocking that with, but will I make money or will people like it or, you know, getting into your head too much. So the the gut feeling is something um, I've definitely always been very in tune with. And where I go wrong is when my head gets involved. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, shut 100%. up, you know, shut up. Um, yeah, they're two different things. Yeah, they really are. Um, yeah. And do you feel um, like when you say back in Ireland, your life has been in London for a good while? It had been in London for a good while. And mm-hmm. then I ended up back in Ireland. Um, it, it primarily like having family out and stuff just because mm. I wanted to be there for them. And then, um, you know, there was other, we had other personal issues going on with, with family on the other side. So, you know, and, and staying there to be for that, you know what I mean? I think um, it was so nice to be back in Ireland after being away for a long time and just getting back there and getting integrated again and being in a rural part of Ireland, spending time in Dublin, mm. spending time in rural parts, just uh, spending more time with my, with my family than I have done in, a long time mm. it's very interesting you know and I, you think uh, your time's precious time's really short and you, you, we don't have a lot of it and I think that's another one about like grabbing the bull by the horns and there's like no time like the present to do things you know we all make mistakes and we all like encounter challenging you know confrontations positions and relationships and happenings in life and you know you really I think putting things on the long fingers and because, you know, yeah, some people have to do those things, but I think it's important just to deal with things and move on or just we change a lot and we evolve a lot. And I think I just, I don't know, it was weird. It was great connect, reconnecting with those kind of relationships mm. with family and um, also being there for family who were in times of trouble um, who needed who needed us, you know. So I think that was great for me. You know, really the- to be able to do that. Oh, you just when I mentioned yeah you being back and and obviously I know you were you were down in West Cork but do you think the you know I found the there was a quietness in within the pandemic just because the world was kind of on this pause button so and I live in in a rural part of Ireland I'm in the countryside as well so there was like this extra quietness which I think for you seems to have felt you know you really found something in the you know just this as you mentioned the simple pleasures of just the food and and you know connecting with friends and family and and the the setting of nature um yeah i mean like it's a it's a real dramatic change from living in hackney you know for a number of years and mm. uh, coming back to ireland and just being like whoa <laughs> you know <laughs> it's got everything's gone quiet but even like london i guess during the, the pandemic was super quiet you know nature was receding um and you know just really bizarre to see places like the financial centers just completely empty and mm. devoid of people Ireland was just spectacular in the way, like really in the in the sense of that West Coast Ireland, a place like West Cork, which is really quiet generally and can be quite isolated at times if you wanted to be. But to see it like where there was zero people around 
was just phenomenal. Like, mm. you really just. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It was just mind-blowing to kind of see what it like. It felt like it was five million years ago or something, and there was no humans because you just didn't see anyone. To have a, have a moment like that, I think, is really rare. I think it's, it felt like you're in the, in the Antarctic or something mm. or in the deep, you know, deep jungles in the Amazon or in Africa where it's just there's no humans around <laughs> it was like yo this is cool this time for me has allowed me to go okay like yeah what am I doing here what, what are we running after why or why am I running after it and is it why important mm, why do we care I mean, I, I'm doing this uh, thing with the Sugar Club. It's a LPSS-funded uh, thing for DJs, and I kind of, I kind of felt that a lot of DJs hadn't—they've kind of been completely forgotten about in a lot of respects. Obviously, what platform do you put them on? But like most of the kind of music support funding stuff that had gone on had really been a bit more, uh, more uh, kind of aimed towards, or had been populated by a lot of like traditional musician with a guitar or an instrument. Mm-hmm. And I think. Um, it was very interesting for me to see that because I was like, wow, why, what's the, for me, I've always kind of, I wouldn't really differentiate between a DJ and a kind of musician because I just kind of see them as the same thing. But um, I think, you know, I, getting involved in a project where I've just booked 80 DJs actually for this project. And it's a, uh, it was basically about kind of, it started off with them asking me to maybe book 20 DJs to kind of show some, you know, do something with DJs for streaming. And I kind of went, well, it's not really fair because if we can book 20, why couldn't we just book 50? Mm. And then we got to 50. And then I was like, well, if we can book 50, why can't we book 70? And then we got to 70 <laughs> and then we got to 80. And to be honest with you, I would book another hundred DJs if I could, just to kind of give them a little bit of an outlet because they've a lot of them, like one or two people are contacted and I really tried to contact a real diverse group of people. So like, you know, everyone from, you know, different communities, non-binary, you know, LGBTQ plus I, Asian DJs, you know, we were of Chinese heritage, you know, I met this amazing um, Ethiopian lady, uh, Hewan, who's, uh, she's got an amazing collection of 70s and 60s rare trio jazz from Ethiopia, which is wow. some of the best jazz ever made. 
and she kind of has done a few little radio shows and I didn't have to dig too deep to find these people, <laughs> you know, where a lot of like, I feel like, a, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to have a go at a lot of like promoters and people and bookers, you know, you're a booker, I'm a booker, but a, a lot of them just didn't dig deep enough to find all these people who are like mm-hmm. hidden in plain sight in their perspective. But for me, it was fairly easy, you know, and I just really tried to make a point of like, can we get people to represent lots of different community? Mm-hmm. I mean, I come from a minority community, even though like, people just assume I'm Irish. Most people do not think I'm Irish when they see me until they, unless they know me or unless they speak to me. And then they kind of are a bit like, oh, well, you know, you're, well, you're like, oh, you're Irish. Are you? Like, yeah, actually I am. Yeah. I, you know, I'm challenging your perception here, but I actually am. So I kind of felt, and I'm not trying to hate on any of the, you know, some of the iconic Irish musicians who have been around for years and are getting those supports and they need them just as much as anyone. But I just felt it was a bit unfairly spread. And my kind of whole mission was to do this. And like the, the point I'm getting to actually is, is because some of the, I contacted some of the DJs, all of them were like chomping at the bit because no one had, they never, no one had really thought about them. And then some of them were just afraid to, to, to one or two of them were like, I can't do it. I haven't done this for two years and I just don't think I'm able to do it. I'm not ready. This is too much for me. So it was like, kind of maybe just go, well, this is the reason I'm doing it because no one's really thought about a lot of these people. Now it's starting to come back, but like, the, you know, it would have been nice to be doing stuff for these people, but like before there, you know, and mm-hmm. I guess that was the whole thing of just, we were finding our feet as a country and, and supporting our greatest assets. And I always, I felt that a lot of, you know, there wasn't enough diversity, gender parity and, you know, openness to to the music scene in Ireland in terms of like what it is that it represents. You know, nowadays, we have so much diversity within it. I think, it, you know, if you can't be open, if you can't have a diverse lineup, then you're not really looking at the Irish music industry right now and what it's doing and who, the, who are the playmakers in it and the, the changes that have happened in it because there's such a, a diverse community of people from all sort of uh, colors, genders, religions, backgrounds, belief systems. Mm. And I think, but the, I mean, I think that's probably the best thing about me, about like club culture in, in the sense that it never had really a color because it was so open to everyone. You know, you could be a posh kid from Ranala hanging out with some like kids from Sheriff Street. One of these could be gay. The other one could be like, you know, com- like polyamorous. You know, you're all hanging out in the same club listening to the same music and you didn't see any, you know, it's not like, I'm not trying to say all lives matter here, <laughs> you know, but I'm trying to say that, that like, it, you know, there was never like, no one was judging you mm-hmm. on, on who you were, where you are, where you're from, what you were doing. They were all hanging out together. It was really interesting for me to kind of meet people like uh, my sister's friends when I started getting into it, meeting like Billy Scurries and Glenn Brady's and Johnny Moyes and Mark Dixon's and Eamon Doyle's and all these different people. And then they were coming from all different backgrounds and all parts of Dublin and all persuasions. And I was like, well, that, that's, I think that's what excited me the most about club culture because it was like really inclusive. We had even trying or quite, there was no question over it. It was like, okay, so there's no like, this is cool. Mm. You know, we're not, we're not being put into tribes and told you have to, this is your tribe. That's your tribe there. They were all just mixing it up and matching it up. And I was like, wow, you know, it's like, you got like suburban kids, you got inner city kids, you got like kids from the uptown, kids from downtown, all these different, you know, walks of life all hanging out together and being friends. It was really attractive for me as a young person, you know, because I was like, this is, I want all this culture. So I think, you know, but I think doing this thing for the Sugar Club was like a real opportunity to kind of show that there's a huge diverse wealth of talent and 
creativity out there and you do have all these like people who are you know representing you know new you know there's like the all these amazing young djs emma bambi uh bay i mean i could i mean moving slow he's more established now but like I mean, I can't name 80 names right no. now. I can't, I'm not going to turn it into, into a wedding scene. You know what I mean? And th- thank everyone and their granny. But, like, it was just really amazing to be able to, like, find these, like, people and just also give them a, you know, a little, like, nod. Like, oh, yeah, we're thinking about you. You haven't been forgotten about, you know, because it's just weird. I feel like they're the ones more at risk than the ones who've been around for 30, 20 years, you know, or 30 years or 40 years doing the same thing they've always done at a high standard. You kind of, you know, the little man and the little woman and the little person and the little human, <laughs> they're the ones that like collectively hold up the, the giants, you know, mm-hmm. so you can't forget about them. So that, that was really cool, but it was, but it was really interesting to think of like, no, I don't want to, someone going, no, I don't think I could do this. I'm not ready for this or, you know, do what, and then I maybe think, oh, well, my, do I want to DJ for people again? that they don't know or they don't understand me or don't get me. Do I really, I why would I bother doing that? Why would I bother playing for people who don't have a clue who I am or don't connect with me and don't get my music or her questioning my music? That was a bit of a, that's something that came into my mind. That was my, that my ego was definitely going like, you know, I only want to play for people I love who really like want to let me do what I do and really understand it and get it. But I mean, maybe that's what it's meant to be like, like, but I think as a DJ, you find yourself in situations where, it's not always that case. You end up in some club and you just don't know the people. You just know connection and you could be just like, oh, they're not really into what you're doing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> They're not feeling it, you know? So I don't know. That was a big interesting for me. I was thinking, can I DJ to a crowd that I don't know anymore? Of course I can. Of course you can. But like, it, that was something that kind of crossed my mind. Okay. This, if this is the way it is, why would I bother? Mm. I want to play for people that I love who don't even, who just connect with and you're already connected to and they're like, whoa, this is amazing, you know? So parties are always better than, than, than events, I think, you know, at the time, like, you know, a good event is actually more really just a good party, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one about, I was listening to Michael Stipe, actually, he was interviewed the other day um, and he was talking about that he is off all social media and has been for quite a while. So he has no idea if people still like him if they are going to buy his music if like he just kind of doesn't not doesn't care obviously but that if you allow that in too much and the 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 way social media is set up with the likes and the kind of the little rush you get and people commenting on what it is you're doing um and particularly from a creative point of view when you get to that space of oh the fear of what somebody thinks or feels it can it can stop the whole process and it was a kind of little reminder to me of fuck yeah you know sometimes you just have to like you just keep putting it out there mm. <laughs> in respect of, um, and that's different to what you're talking about as a DJ. I haven't DJed like that, but, you know, I think also when, and I know you do, um, and it's something I've always done as well in what I do. It's like when you're putting out your truth, when you're putting out your heart, well, fucking come at me then, you know, come judge mm. me because you can't, you can't really judge somebody's truth. In my opinion, no. it is what it is, and they're just putting it out there. Um, yeah. So I think it's honesty. You know, you got to be honest. I mean, I, I I love honesty. It's nothing better than someone just being straight up. 
you know, mm. just being like, this is what, it, this is how I feel. This mm. is how it is. It's the kind of people not being able to say anything or people who get stuck in the fence to do my head in the mouth. <laughs> You're just like, come on, get off the fence. Mm. Just be, just say how it is. How do you feel about this? You hate it. Do it great. That's what, you know, I don't, you know, that's what I want to hear. You know, you love it. Great. You know, it's just like sitting on the fence stuff is just, I don't know. It's definitely possible to do that. Like, but it just doesn't, it kind of bores me in a lot of respects. I just want to be like, I just want to, I just want, I want to be honest about things. And sometimes I can get into trouble, but I just kind of feel like life's too short to be like, you know what I mean? Just being like, Mm. Hmm, that's my answer. Hmm. That's my answer. (laughs) I don't know. I've known you for many years now and uh, one of my first impressions of you was that you've always this extreme sense of fairness and yeah that really open playing field no no bullshit there was no hiding behind the kind of cool DJ or any shit like that mm. were you always like that as a kid watching out for the little guy the I mean I, yeah I mean I kind of just I think because I come I, can't, I come from those the backgrounds I do it's always about that so it's always about like now my mom is one of nine, and my dad's one of eight, or something like that. So, uh-huh. just, and my dad's dad's a Hindu from his, he's an Indian set from South Africa, you know, fifth generation South African Indian. And you know, my mom's from a farming back, rural background from Westmead, and my grandfather's from Cavan from another farming background. So there's like a, I think it's like very collective. It's a very collective background where people work together. So you're mm-hmm. kind of looking after each other. You know, and I think those cultures, especially the Indian culture and the Irish culture, are very much about the community and the family. I think that's, I don't know why it is, but, I don't, and, you know, my dad was like an ANC activist, so he was like farting, farting, fighting apartheid. <laughs> <laughs> you can delete that thing. <laughs> my dad was an ANC activist, so he was like fighting apartheid. And I feel like that, you know, growing up like on a picket line and outside Dunn's, has an effect on you mm. you're just like okay this is how life is this is what it's about so I think that's always been a huge player in my upbringing really that I only really thought start thinking about in the last couple of years with kind of everything that kind of happened in the last you know like with kind of the George Floyd moment mm. I guess or if you want to call it Black Lives Matter moments you can it's just just a, like a, an aware like it's not even an awareness that it was like aware for everyone who was on the receiving end of it but it's just like this, you know, this is kind of how life is, you know, and you, you and now we're kind of a bit more aware of our, of, our, of the way we say things and do things. But for a lot of people like me, we've always been aware of that. Mm-hmm. You know, we've always had to kind of like think about those things or be on the receiving end of those things. A lot of people don't think, really didn't think I would ever receive any r- r- racial abuse in, in my life, but I kind of have, you know, so it's weird. It's like, you know, it's just part of being a person of color, you know, you just kind of accept that, you know, and I think now it's a bit, it's now it's not acceptable. Mm. You know, you, you know, you kind of, now it's like a bit more people are actually being a bit more open to kind of not accepting it. And that's great. You know? So, um, I don't know. I think, I think I've always just had that kind of, you know, growing up around apartheid and South the whole South Africa thing, it just gives you that, sense of like what's wrong and what's right you know it's a, you know that's a whole sad situation which is kind of playing out now that kind of at the time with my dad and his friends would have been like 
this has got to happen, but we know that the inevitability, it's going to take a hundred years to correct the wrongs if it, if it even does. And there's going to be a lot of crap that it's going to go through. And we're seeing that now mm. down there, sadly, you know, but uh, it was, it was kind of, it's probably, it's always, it's inevitable, you know, it's inevitable. That it's going to have to go through all this crap to kind of get through all that. It takes, it's, it's you know, it's, you know, one, you know, it's not going to change in one election, <laughs> you know, down there. It's sad, but it's the way it is. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as you're talking there, I kind of feel, you know, it was a little white girl over in the west of Ireland that it probably took me years to understand or hear about apartheid because it just wasn't, you know. So for a little guy, you know, on a picket line with your dad and having it as part of a conversation, that's very powerful, isn't mm. it? it? You know, really. It is. Yeah. Even though you don't think about it, because that's just the way it is. Mm not like you know you didn't think that this is this is what life is you know mm. this is what we're doing here <laughs> this is why we're here you know so i think it's really important also uh to kind of collectively come together and celebrate things and that energy you get those it's just a feel-good factor that can last such a long time it's so healthy and it's so good for you to walk away from those experiences and know that you've made someone's you brought some sunshine into people's lives you know and they'll, they'll never remember it you know and that's and that's the other thing like as a DJ or someone who does something creative, like, you know, I've done big things. I've done small things. Everything I do, I just really want to do my best really. And I, and it doesn't really matter to me if like it's 10 people or one person that really gets the, gets it and understands it. But if I can communicate that to one person who really understands and it changes their life, then that's enough for me really. Hmm. At the end of the day, I don't think, you know, I'm not really that pushed on, you know, having a billion dollars in the bank. I just want to have good food and good times. Really, they're the most important things to me, really, and good friends and good people. I don't think ever, you know, and that's, I think, the last, you know, looking back in the last 18 months, that's been so prevalent. It's like abundance of good food because all the restaurants are shut that you can take home and make your own, you know, and then just like lots of good people around that you can spend time with. No, I sound quite privileged in that respect because I know that hasn't been the case for everyone. So I don't know. I mean, I just, I can only tell you how I've experienced life. And I think, um, I think, I think if you're honest, with, if you're honest about those things and you really put out like good intention and good energy, you get it back. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It can be just like, it can be just someone just giving you a, a smile or holding the door for you. You know, you're like, ah, you know, that's humanity. You know what I mean? You don't like, or, you know, people being angry or judging you or, not listening to you that's their journey really you know i mean um you know we're all entitled to do those things as well but like i think um you know i've really just kind of thought about the moment a lot and just thought about just being you know the kindness in the world in the last 18 months has been really mind-blowing to see you know how people have really connected and helped each other spoken to their neighbors and being in big cities you're you know where no one knows each other everyone's Developing community, sense of community, and that's what I think the nine eleven thing is an example. And in, in it's not an example, but like it's it's the way those communities bonded after something tragic and crazy happened. Mm. You know, I was talking to Glenn Brady about he lived in Williamsburg, or was it? He was on the border of the, the Hasidic um, neighborhood and the Hispanic neighborhood. A, he lived right in the middle of it, and he said like all the Hasids were out in the street with the Mexicans holding hands. Wow. He said it was just insane to see mm. it, like because they they almost live like separate lives, lives they're in separate mm -hmm. worlds in the same city. He said it was just like they all just came together, you know, and 
you know, I think we, as humans, we're very much, it brings us together. Tragedy and trauma can definitely bring us together. It can definitely tear us apart, you know, but it can definitely also really bring us together and make us stronger and, you know, break down barriers, you know, and, and music can too. And that's why I love music. I mean, I was listening to like Wichita Lyman on repeat for about like wow. for about two weeks solid, Glenn Campbell, and it was like driving from Ardfield to to Connolly's Alep, and I just listened to that record over and over again for two weeks. And I'm not even joking, and that's a long journey, <laughs> you know. And just and it never got boring, really, which is weird, you know. You just sometimes you just lock in on something that just I, I do anyway. I get really obsessed with by certain tracks, and I just like can't stop listening listen to every nuance of them. Yeah. Obviously, I'm listening to other music, but they just keep repeating, repeating, repeating. And I think that was like, you know, those sort of records are things that just like, you know, and I played it to lots of people and they all loved it, you know, and they got it. They got it at the, at the, the moment in time. Like, I, I think they're the things that keep you sane. So um, I've been lucky enough to be able to keep making music and keep listening to music. So I think I've kind of lived the dream as far in, in my reality. I, I don't think I could have had a, done anything any better, really, you know then just to be able to listen to lots of music, learn about music from other people and then just make it. You mentioned the the hypnotist uh, friend, not hypnotist, psychotherapist, sorry. Um, hypnotist, hypnotist. Amanda was she a hypnotist? She was a hypnotist, yeah. okay. Free your mind, Ibiza. <laughs> That's, she lives in Ibiza. She does it online, it's unbelievable. Free your mind, Ibiza, doc, uh, something or other. Okay. Is that something you, like, do you have a practice or a support for yourself to kind of check in or I mean yeah I don't know I mean like I don't, yeah I mean I just I think like just doing a little bit of meditation just breathing exercise is really, mm-hmm. really it's really important also just like learning to switch off then I mean I wouldn't be the greatest person for switching off anyway I'm just full of ideas so just just kind of being in nature really is my switch off okay that's what my practice is going into forests mm-hmm. going to lakes switching phones off having loads of fruit and water and just going for walks, seeing by the sea. That's, that's my meditation. And just, that's where, when I'm at the most, my most calmest and uh, you know, that's, that's it for me. It's, it's less kind of sitting in this spot, you know, really, I think it's like going into those places and just like getting all that kind of energy mm-hmm. really refreshing. And it's like, really like, it's probably been the thing that that's kind of, I've enjoyed the most over the last year or so. And I, don't think I'll stop doing that I think the more I kind of the more I get older I think the more I'm drawn into that place you know Mm. those kind of spaces and I'll probably end up in those places you know Mm. because there's no better place to be really you know I think when you've done 20 odd years of clubbing you know in club culture in club land or in any music kind of form you know there 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 comes a time in every human's life when they need to just uh take a breather you know what I mean mm. life evolves life changes you, you know I don't need to be at the front of a, you know have my head in the base bin as much anymore I still love it though nothing quite like the feeling of a roaring club or a live gig just absolutely energy it's just you know it's just can't beat that like that's the like that's the biggest drug for me was just being you know in, in that playing a gig to a crowd that just goes wild and that's why I've never been someone who's been really into drugs because that was always my drug, you know, because mm. I was like, right, this is, this is the buzz here. You can't replicate this, you know, chemically. This is just, uh, you know, this is the ultimate high. 
and then like that's what was one of the most addictive things about music for me just getting that kind of crowd energy and yeah it's 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 quite a special thing if you haven't do you remember like do you remember in hindsight do you remember a pivotal moment or a moment of whoa hang on a fucking second happened when i was 15 and it was uh ian mccready and francois in the gardening club in Tampa bar which was in Eamon Dorans on a Tuesday night or something and they just and I remember them just play I remember just looking in the, around the club and just seeing the, the diversity in the club and like pockets of different types of people everywhere like from like there was guys from like Africa and there was like gay kids and there was like gots and I was like this is I was just like that I was like a kid in the candy store because I was like this is what there's all this culture and all these interesting people everywhere. And I was like, and then this music is amazing. It's just so uplifting and everyone's losing it. And I was like, I just, you know, when you're like, when you're a kid, you just get, you put your head down on your shoulders a little bit and you look up and you're just like, oh my God, what is this? And that was, that was like, there was no turning back after that. That was it. It was, it was game over. The minute that I experienced that, uh, it was game over. <laughs> that was it. There was not, nothing... There was mm. nothing in the world that could like, I remember sitting down at my parents when I was like 16 and going, I want to be a DJ and this is what I'm going to do, but I need your support. And if you were willing to help me, I'm just going to take it real seriously. And, you know, that's, I just want you to know. And they were just like, uh, okay. <laughs> I think they were kind of shocked that I was having an adult conversation, first of all. But, um, but that was from that moment, definitely, you know. You know, seeing so many like people like Wetherall and Billy Scurry, Dave Hales, you know, all these people, Johnny Moy in their heyday, destroying clubs, you know, David Holmes, James Lavelle, all these guys when they were in their peaks and just going, whoa, <laughs> you know, this is kind of what I want to do. Um, seemed unattainable at the time, but that was what the hunt is. It's like the drive then, you know, but I, mm. I think if it's unattainable, then it's like, yes, for me, it's like, I, you know, I can do this. This is a challenge, you know. It's, it's always been about challenging yourself for me. I think, like, the harder it is to do, the more rewarding it is to achieve. That's that's just normal for everyone, anyway. But like that, that's for me. That's the kind of yeah. That's this. This seems impossible. Let's give it a shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm dead. If it seems impossible, let's go. Let's see what we can do. I think it's you know the, the hunt and the challenge being into music. I think that that's that kind of hunter gatherer type scenario. <laughs> I have three questions. They're very simple that I've yeah. asked in the series. Um, and, you know, you can go where with them wherever you want. Is there yeah. anything you didn't, you're sorry you didn't start earlier? Transcendental meditation. Okay. Probably. Uh, Is there anything you're sorry you didn't give up earlier? Chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> My chocolate addiction's in, in check right now. So, uh, okay. Yeah, I probably wish I'd stopped eating so much chocolate when I was. Uh, you know, a, a chocolate addict, pretty much. That was my vice. A nice piece of chocolate. Goes a long way in my world. <laughs> and what are you most proud of to date? Ah, uh, fucking Jesus. I mean, that's such a bit, pretty much like my friends and my family, mm. really, you know. They're like, you know, um, you know, Jean, you know, my partner, my mom and dad, my sister, my friend, everyone really that mm. I surround myself with is what makes me proud, you know, all my mm. friends, you know, I just, I'm, that makes me proud really, you know, that's, that makes me happiest to see them all succeeding, you know, watching like I'm friends with a young DJ called CC Cabinet, who's kind of been a bit of a protege of mine in, in, a, in essence, because we met a long time ago and she used to do flyers for a club I was running, but I've always been super proud to see her and 
Lorca Mack and Josh Gordon. He's like a, I met Josh on the street the other day and he's talking about doing stuff for Vivian Westwood and he's done stuff for Leo Vuitton. I don't know. I mean, it's like, wow. That makes me proud to see that those kind of people have been driving and pushing themselves and becoming successful. So yeah, just people really make me proud, you know? Beautiful. That's my kind of thing. Really, mm. I don't know. Gorgeous. I think it's not my trainer collection anyway, that's for sure. <laughs> of which is vast. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. It could be. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, beautiful. Yeah, thank you. That's a gorgeous answer. Did you want to read your stream of consciousness or? I mean, I could give it a little blast if you want to finish it. It might take a while. So let's um, let me see if we can find it. So I kind of, I just basically woke up one day and just wrote this. But it just came out of nowhere and it was like, it was like set, it was about a year ago I wrote it and I was like, it's like, I need to do this. And weirdly, I put it into a mixtape, got Shimon to rap it, who's my partner in Bon Voyage, and we put it on a mixtape, but we put in bits of it. But then I'm probably going to just actually turn it into a track with him doing spoken word. And we've done a, like a bit of a demo beat with Glenn Brady. So I just kind of came out of nowhere because someone actually asked me to write something for a zine. And I don't think it ever came out. And I just wrote this, basically. I was like, I didn't know what to do. And then I just woke up one morning and I was like, okay, I'm going to write this. This is pretty much what came out. So this is probably going to take a while to read. So uh, it's called, uh, it's like, never be afraid of a cosmic shift. And it's kind of what we've been talking about. So um, a close friend once explained that we are, all, we are all connected to the cosmos. We are the universe expressing ourselves as humans, which means that when there are shifts or changes in the sky, we feel it deeply too. We can feel the effects of the cosmos, not only on an emotional and spiritual level, but on a physical level. We all know the effect the moon has on the tides of the ocean. So seeing as the human body is mostly made up of water, what must the effect of the moon be having on us? So when you think of the cosmos and the planets that surround us, are they too having an effect on us, bringing different types of energy into the flows of life? Therefore, some may be wondering what's happening in the universe around us that's causing such an eye-opening moment for our planet. 2020 started off as a solid sounding year, the numerical representation of perfect vision. We entered it with great intention and desire for what the future would bring, as we do most years come December 26th. But having 2020 vision does not necessarily mean you have perfect vision. 2020 vision only indicates the sharpness of clarity of vision at a distance. Other important vision skills, including peripheral awareness or side vision, eye coordination, depth perception, focus ability, and color vision contributes your overall visual ability. So there's more required to have perfect vision and see things as they truly are with zero filters to hold you back. Maybe 2020 was spot on after all. Right now, some people are experiencing a lot of feelings, emotions about life and our world they've never felt before. It's a massive shift in collective consciousness as we start to tap into our wider vision. This is a constant, but right now, for a lot of people, it's hit fifth gear. It's like the world is starting to shed a cosmic skin as we enter a new dawn. These vibrational changes in life can be both traumatic and enlightening at the same time. This balance is what gives perspective. We retrospectively drop what, we no longer, what no longer serves us. Jobs, relationships, thoughts are all patterns of behavior, all up for debate and may not make the cut as we enter this next wave. This can lead to our bodily energy changing. It's common to feel bouts of high charged turbo energy or deep exhaustion that no sleep can solve, which can also be viewed as a sign there's been a positive vibrational shift happening. Moods can be like the wind. We feel hypersensitive and focused, become aware of something greater than ourselves, desire more than the status quo, experience light, um, light bulb moments and feel motivated to change. 
we hit this point, it's always good to look inwards as we experience change using your heart as a guide. It's just as important as the mind and body. The main thing is not to be afraid of change. Yes, it can be painful, draining or hurtful as we get over the many hurdles, but we should not fear it. Love has and will always be the key to the next level of evolution on planet Earth. Once we can all learn to love each other and hold compassion regardless of the systems and barriers that divide us, then we can truly be one with the cosmos, our fellow humans, forests, oceans and wildlife. Remember, we don't inhabit the universe, we are the universe. Wow. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that was like I woke up one morning and I was like, I have to write this. Wow. It came from it could have been from a pack of cereal or it could have come from the cosmos, but it kind of just yeah. And I mean it was it just I kind of that just that was that's pretty much my whole feeling. Even though that was written mm -hmm. a year ago, it still rings true for me. Mm -hmm. So there you go. That was a, a conduit moment for sure. You were channeling someone, something, some bigger <laughs> thing. And um, yeah, beautiful. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you. Well, that's all right, man. Hope Gorgeous. bore you too much. No. Wow. I was, I was there <laughs> with you. I was in it, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Damn, man. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to um, be on board. So, yeah, thank man. you so much. Um, and I will check in with you soon, okay? Cheers, Jenny. Um, lots of love. Lots of love. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And come find me over in Hindsight Conversations on Twitter and Instagram. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.